Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope, that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. In the month of August, we've been walking through a collection of talks called House of Praise. House of Praise, and detailing out how, just like we sing today, this is a house. God refers to his church as his house. It's something he's building. It's where people can feel welcomed. It's where people can find family. It's where you can belong even before you believe. But once you make that decision to believe, we understand and know that you can become who God created you to be. That's what we're doing. It's a house of miracles. It's a house of worship. Understanding that those few songs or those times of prayer and worship during a Sunday morning church service is not just music. It's not just a performance. It's an invitation for you and I to experience God. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but there are moments, actually a lot of moments in my life where I need to be reminded that there is a God who is bigger than my situation. There's a God who's bigger than the storm that I'm walking through. That there is a God who is a miracle-working, promise-keeping God. And he's not just in this house for me, he's here for you as well so that you can know him and connect with him. This is a house of praise. So today, the title of the message that I'm leaning into today is On the Regular. On the Regular. And what we're going to be walking through today is this idea of prayer and talking with God. In Romans 12, chapter 12, it says this, man, such a powerful sentence here. If you want to throw it up on the screen, it says, Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Woo! That's hard, for sure, when you're in trouble, when things are going crazy. But how can we do that? by keep on praying. Would you underline that phrase for me today? Keep on praying. If there's one thing we should never give up on, it's praying. If there's one thing that we should never forget about, it's praying. If you'll write this down for me, if there is one thing in our life we should do on the regular, it's pray first. Before anything else, I'm bringing God into the situation. Before anything else, I'm taking a deep breath and I'm asking God, would you help me through this? That's why we talk about this thing called the My 15, where for 15 minutes every morning, I'm giving God five minutes of worship where I listen to a song on Spotify or YouTube. I open up the YouVersion app and spend some time in God's Word. But the last five minutes, I spend talking with Him, leaning into conversation with my God. As you can see, I've been talking to God a lot. My voice is going. <laughs> And what's amazing about prayer is that God actually listens. What's amazing about prayer is he actually hears us and listens to what we're saying. I had a, like a, excuse me, man, I apologize. What's going on? Here we go. It's just God saying, hey, you know, it's not my voice. It's your voice. All right. It's like just randomly happened. Sorry, in person and online. Here we go. Now it's coming back. There it is. All right. Just had to get through whatever that was. That's right. Not today, Satan. Get back. Get behind me. We got some stuff to talk about. Uh, and it's amazing how praying first really changes your whole approach to life. I was just um, in an airport this past couple days. I went up and spent a couple days in Atlanta with one of our mission partners. It was a great couple days to get away. And it had been a long time since I'd flown, uh, as you can tell in the story I'm about to tell you. My flight leaving Tampa was at 840. And again, I've not flown in a long time. And uh, uh, I was like, oh, you know what? I'll get to the gate like... 
8.30. We'll be good. Going to be walk right on the plane, grab my seat. It wasn't until I was like parking in the parking garage that I looked down on my ticket. My boarding pass said, door closes at 8.15. Oh, great. It's 8.20. Luckily, though, we have the best airport in the country. And I got from the parking lot to the gate in like five minutes. And I was begging and pleading with the person at the counter. Hey, I'm so sorry. It's been a long time since I've flown. Would you open the door for me? Of course. It's why I fly an airline like Frontier, because not only are the tickets cheap, but they're not professional or anything. Come on in. Yeah, come on in. It's fine. Yeah. I think the plane will take off soon, maybe in an hour. Who knows? But I got there, and I remember on the way back, I was in the airport, which if you ever want to just see what hell on earth could look like, uh, be at a terminal where someone's flight is delayed. So my gate, I was there, I had a, like a three or four hour time between, between I, I made my, a good decision this time. I got to the airport a few hours early and just to wait, be patient, get on the plane. And the gate before me, their, their flight just kept getting delayed. One announcement after the other, right? Just like, okay, hey, you know, we're going to take off at this time, take off at that time. And it's amazing how like the first announcement is, hey, we're going to be delayed. Like, oh, okay, you know, that happens. Second announcement. Uh, what's going on here? Uh, third announcement is like, yo, we better take off or I'm about to hurt somebody, all right? That flight actually, this is a true story, ended up getting canceled. And man, it was pandemonium on the terminal in those few moments. And I was like, I'm glad it's not my flight. I'm sorry. I know I'm supposed to care about your problems, but I'm just glad it's not my flight. And But mine, my flight kept changing gates, right? It kept like going from D1 to D2. To, it was like just going back and forth. It was so weird. And I had like the insider information because I guess I was one of the few people on the plane who was there that early that signed up for like the texting updates and so uh the tv kept changing which you know people the tv that's god's voice in the in the airport for people right the tv kept changing but i kept getting texts like hey it's going to be at this gate and that gate people were like how are you so calm like it's it's so crazy it keeps changing gates and you're so calm it's like yeah because i'm just getting the text updates before it happens i'm prepared i'm informed i know what's coming and everyone else was stressing out. And I was like, hey, as long as this plane takes off, I'm good. I know what's going on. I have direct line to the frontier people through my little texting conversation here. And as goofy as it sounds, I think when we pray first, it completely changes our approach to life. When things change, when things move, when things aren't what we expected, and dare I say, when things get canceled from our life, we don't panic. We don't get angry. We realize I have direct line and conversation with God. He's not surprised by any of this. He is working in this, working through it. God's on my side. He's walking with me. I know I'm talking with him, having conversation today. So if there's one thing I need to do on the regular, it's pray first. Come on, when I say pray, you say first. Pray, pray. There we go. I like it. We're ready to go. Let me give you this quote from, I've been using uh, the author of the message version is a guy named Eugene Peterson, and he has this quote about prayer that I think is a really great leader into our conversation today. Prayer is the way we work our way out of the comfortable but cramped world of self and into the spacious world of God. A changed world begins with us. We know that as a church. And a changed us begins when we pray. You want to see your life changed? Pray. It's just that simple. And we're going to lean into that today because the God of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe is listening to you. The Bible promises us that when we pray, when we humble ourselves and say, God, I can't do this without you. When we humble ourselves and pray, it tells us in the book of Psalms that God stoops down to listen. 
to the cries of his people. And that's who you are today. That's what we're building out. That's the power of prayer, something we should do on the regular. Come on, let's pray and believe that today. God, I'm so thankful for everybody here. I'm so thankful that we are gifted with the opportunity to pray. This is a house of praise. It's a house of prayer too. And God, I pray that you would open our hearts as we listen and lean into the things about having a conversation with you that you wanna teach us today. God, be with us in this room. Be with all of our local kids next door. Let them know how much you love them. Let them know that Jesus is their very best friend. And God, we're so thankful that we get to be here today to experience you, to find hope, and just celebrate that you're with us. We love you, Lord. We thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, give me a good amen today. Let's go, let's go. Excited to pray, excited to talk with you guys today. And prayer is an interesting thing. You know, I grew up in the church, but morally I grew, I grew up going to a private school. And from the very beginning, prayer was always an interesting thing. The most, like, excited, loud kid in our class, we would always pray before lunch, right? And if you were the most loud or most confident kid, you could be stopped in your tracks by simply when the teacher asks you to pray, right? Like, you got the loud kid that's really excited. I was usually that kid. And uh, just, yeah, yeah, I'll be the class clown. I'll talk during class. But then the teacher says, okay, who wants to pray? All the hands go down, just turn into deer in headlights, right? Because it's something that seems a little bit overwhelming to us sometimes. For some reason, I don't know why, in our mind, we've put it off that it has to be some performance thing, that we have to do the right way, or that only good, righteous people are allowed to pray. And I think it's important to realize that, man, Jesus came to break all those barriers down. Today, we might have to re revision or rethink about the way we approach prayer, especially even the way that we think about it. Number one, you got to understand it's just simple conversation with God. When I was a kid, though, I started to learn interesting things about prayer. I used to pray this prayer uh, with my mom every night. And as I've grown up, I've realized why would we teach this to kids? Now, the first, the first thing about it was great because I would usually leverage it to my own gain. And sometimes, as we're going to talk a little bit about today, we sometimes leverage prayer for our own things, for our own priorities. So when I would pray with my mom, she would say this little prayer, now I lay me down to sleep, right? Have you ever heard that prayer? And that ended, the way we ended it was we'd say the prayer, now I lay me down to sleep, and it would get to the end, would say, and please, bless, God, please bless these people. And I knew that as soon as we said amen, it was bedtime. So I came up with this strategy that I was just going to think of a thousand different names to keep blessing and praying for so that I wouldn't have to go to sleep. God bless my friends at school, bless my teacher, bless our neighbor, bless our neighbor's dog, uh, bless the mailman, uh, bless this person. So like I, and my mom eventually would catch on. Hey, it's time to go to sleep, Ryan. The people are blessed. God knows who they are. Go to bed. You got school in the morning, all right? But what's interesting about this prayer is it says some interesting things if you know what it is. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I was teaching that as a kid. That's scary, man. I'm like, even now, I'm like, God, I don't want to die right now. That's a little intense, a little dark, right? Because we, get, we begin to learn these things about prayer that sometimes we have to kind of grow out of. And see, the disciples, they had been, the disciples were guys that followed Jesus during his few years of ministry here on earth. And Jesus really had to uproot some of the stuff they had learned about prayer. In Luke chapter 11, verse 11, it says this, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. I love this. 
I love this because I was, as, as I was reading through the stories of the disciples and following Jesus, there's only one time the disciples stop Jesus and say, Jesus, would you teach us how to do this? I mean, Jesus raised people from the dead. He made blind people see. He made food out of nothing. And at that point, they weren't saying, Jesus, teach us how to do that. Jesus would teach amazing things about the love of God, and he would talk about the scriptures and the power of the word of God. Not in those moments did the disciples say, teach us how to do this. What was so contagious and what the disciples observed was so powerful because they knew the first thing Jesus did before the miracles, before the teaching, before all of that, the first thing he would do, as it says in Luke 11, is Jesus would go to a certain place and he would pray. And what they witnessed was something powerful. Because what they had grown up with is that, number one, only a handful of people were allowed to pray to God. There was only a handful of people that God listened to their prayers, and they were the most righteous, the most perfect, the the most intelligent religious leaders and culture at that time. They were the only people that prayed. They were who God heard. But then Jesus also began to talk to God in ways that seemed so simple, so relational, so intimate. As we're going to talk about, Jesus used terms for God that no one had ever used before because Jesus was trying to illustrate to the disciples the essence of prayer, how powerful it is. Write these three things down for me. What Jesus demonstrated to the disciples is that prayer connects us to God first and foremost. Prayer's number one thing is not to solve our problems. Prayer's number one thing is not to solve issues that are in our life or God for do the things that we want him to do. That's not what prayer is. If you're frustrated with prayer, that might be why. (laughs) Because that's not what it is. Prayer, number one, connects us to God. Second thing, prayer aligns our priorities with his. Still not about us yet. It's about God, thank you so much that I can talk to you. God, remind me of the ways that you have for me or remind me of what you're doing here on this earth. Then the third thing is prayer helps us to live dependent on him. Man, I gotta be honest with you. I love the fact that life, I do not have to depend on me. And I love the fact that ultimately I don't have to necessarily always depend on people. I need people in my life, but people are going to let me down. No matter what, people will always let us down. There's only one person who has never let me down, and that's my personal Savior, Jesus Christ, who has given his life for me and conquered death so that I could be forgiven and set free today. He's never let me down. He's never going to let you down. He's always going to be there for you no matter what, and he invites us to the secret sauce of his power here on earth, and it's prayer. In Matthew chapter six, here's what he says, right? So in Luke, the disciples asked, teach us to pray. So we jump back to Matthew, and here's what Matthew says in nine, uh, chapter six, verse nine through 13. Pray like this, easy. Wondering how to pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need, and forgive us our sins. As we have forgiven those who have sinned against us, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, I grew up knowing this as the Lord's Prayer. It's probably the heading in some of your Bibles or on your YouVersion app, the Lord's Prayer. But what's the problem with this is that we've turned this into a script rather than an invitation to have our own personal prayer with the Lord. This is not a script, it's an outline. It's not a script, it's a template. Because, man, this is Jesus' word, so yes, it's powerful. And if that's where you're at right now, man, pray this prayer. Pray it every day. Pray it every night. Pray it in your car when you're driving to work. I promise you God will use it. He'll speak to you. He'll fill you up. But as we grow and mature in our faith, we've got to realize this is not a script. It's an outline. What I want to do today is I want to give you seven key points 
of this outline that showed that when Jesus says to the disciples, here's how you pray, he walks them through these seven things, and when you pray, I promise you tomorrow, in your my 15, this will, it'll impact it, I promise you. It'll influence your prayer life today, right when I tell you it. All you gotta do is put it into practice. I challenge you to come back next week to the high school, can't wait, 10 a.m., back at Hillsborough High School, little bit, a lot better AC in that building. I see a lot of waving at me again. It's okay, don't worry. If you're hot, imagine how I am up here speaking. Uh, but it's good. What happens, though, is that we get this outline that Jesus gives us, and I promise you, if you, if you practice this throughout the week, man, you're gonna see God in a way you never thought. Your prayers are gonna feel more significant and filled up because you're following along the pray like this instruction from Jesus. Here's the first thing, is that it connects us to God relationally. It connects us with God relationally. And if you wanna line these up, I would maybe this is number one, so put number one right by where it says our Father in heaven. Jesus is the first person in the entire Bible to refer to God as Father. And Jesus is the Son of God, we know that. He is the most important and influential figure, not just in the Bible, but in all of history, because he's the only one to conquer death. He's the only one to perform some of the most amazing miracles that he did, but he's also the only one to ever give his life up so that we, our sin could be forgiven and, and set free. And what is the word that he uses? Our Father. The most important thing we can do is connect with God relationally, not religiously. Maybe we've been groomed and formed to think that. Maybe that we've thought that we're connecting to God through some ritual of prayer. Maybe it's that we thought we were always connecting to God formally, right? Like maybe we grew up in a religious denomination where it was just this very somber, oh, thou almightiest Lord of hosts in the heavenly realms of the spiritual places. I don't talk like that in real life, so I'm not gonna talk like that in my prayer, okay? And some of those things have taught us that prayer is something that it's not. Prayer is not a performance. Prayer is connecting to God relationally. We don't have to muster up the right things to say. Anyone is invited to pray to God right now in this moment. The Bible tells us, call to me and I'll answer. Connect with me relationally and I'll show up in your life. Our Father in heaven. See, I'm realizing this more and more the more our son Shepard grows up. And he's just an amazing little kid. We love him so much. And, and there are moments that I remember throughout the day that just are so powerful and it reminds me kind of God's posture towards us. There are some times when I'm sitting on the couch and Shepard will be doing something, whether he's playing with his cards or running around just from wall to wall doing whatever babies do or toddlers do, destroying the house. It's funny, I tell everyone like from three feet down in our house, it goes from really nice white clean walls to like food encrusted, markered, like scratched dents because that's just what kids do. Uh, just be prepared. If you're having a kid soon, your walls from three feet down are going to be destroyed, all right? But what, what I love about those moments is he'll take a deep breath from running around and having so much fun, and he'll sit down on the couch next to me, and he'll say, he says little things like this. He'll go, how you doing, Daddy? And I'm like, well, I'm doing great now, Shepard, after your little comment there. I'm about to pull up Amazon and buy you all the toys that you want because that's like the sweetest thing that you've ever said to me, right? What's so, what's so important about it? He doesn't try to perform to his father. He doesn't try to say all the right things. All he sits down and says is, how you doing, daddy? It's the same thing in our relationship with God. The first thing we say in the morning, dear heavenly father, thank you so much for this day. I'm awake, I'm alive. I'm gonna connect to you relationally because that's what you want. That's what Jesus invited me to do. Second thing is this, so what do we do next? Okay, our father in heaven, that's great, what's next? Second one is worship his name. Our Father in heaven, may your name 
be kept holy. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. I love this idea that God has a name. I love that we know that name, that it's God, that it's Heavenly Father, that even when it's like, even when we ask the question, what would it look like if God walked the face of the earth, we have the answer to that as well, and that has a name, and that name is Jesus. Worship his name. What do I do next? I just, God, you're so incredible. I mean, God uses so many names to describe himself. There is so many availabilities that we have to experience God in a relational way and utter the name of power that he's given us. In, In the Old Testament, we see the Lord give him names where we see the word Jehovah, which is another name for God, but he always adds a little word afterward to give it more power. More power. Maybe you heard the phrase Jehovah Jireh. That's the name of God for that he is the Lord who provides. There is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. The Lord Shama, that's probably my favorite one, and it means the Lord who is there the Lord who is there. It's talking about the city of God and what's powerful about that city is the fact that God is there. I used to have a big poster in my room that had all the names of Jesus and it would talk about how Jesus is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the friend that sticks closer to the, and then the brother, the lion and the lamb, right? All these powerful things that I get the opportunity to call on the name of God and refer to him by name, yeah, now, see, my, my, my parents, you know, always raised me that if I went into someone's house, it was never, I never, and even I'm 33 years old, I still struggle with this, getting out of this, um, that I never called an adult by their first name. I'm 33 years old, I still don't, my friends are still Mr. and Mrs., my friend's last name. And they're like, you can call me that. I'm like, no, but it's just, it's weird for me, I can't do it. And sometimes we have put that on God. Okay, hey, hey, Mr. God, how you doing? Hey, Mr. Christ, right? Jesus is not your last name. That's what I'm supposed to say, right? No, that's not how we have to approach God. Not only are you invited into the house, you can talk to him on a first name basis. You can talk to him relationally. You can worship his name. God, thank you that your name is way better than my name. See, when issues come, I don't call on Ryan's name. No, I call on the name of God. I call on the name of Jesus the Jehovah Jireh provider, the Jehovah Rapha healer, the Jehovah, Jehovah Shalom peace, the Jehovah Shammah who's there no matter what. Third thing is this, we pray his agenda first. Woo! Now we're getting real. First two, I'm with you, Pastor Ryan, that's good. Oh, wait a minute, God's got an agenda that I have to pray first? Yeah, because prayer is not about our list of things that we bring to God. It's about just first and foremost connecting to God, worshiping his name, and then praying his agenda first. I can give you God's agenda in one word. You ready for it? Ah, oh, it's gonna change everything for you. God's agenda in one word is, write this down for me, is others. Others! That's why we pray for people in our Sunday morning prayer of all the requests that have come in that you can fill out a card on the bottom of your connection card today and send in prayers to know that we're praying for you. We send out texts where you can respond with prayers that you need. We put it on our social medias where you can type in the little box where you can send your prayer up. Why? Because we know prayer matters and God's agenda is to pray for others first to see him move in their life before mine. His agenda first. What does Jesus say? May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done. Jesus didn't just pray this. He modeled this before he gave his life and said, not my will be done, but your will be done. And Jesus was about to face death on the cross and being, and being now held responsible for every sin that would ever be committed. 
I promise you, if he finds the strength to pray, God, your will be done, not mine, we can find the same strength. We can find the same heart of surrender. Sometimes I think we're just circling back in the same situations and problems in life because we're saying, God, here's what I want to happen. Would you make it happen? Rather than, God, whatever you want, I'll just follow your lead. God, what, not, not my will. Woo, I know where my will has led me, and it ain't good. But your will, even though it may be difficult, even though it may be sacrifice, even though maybe hearing things I don't want to hear sometimes, I know it leads to freedom. I know it leads to strength. Because number one, you're my heavenly father, God, so I know that. I'm going to worship your name because your name is powerful, and I'm going to pray your agenda first. Others. And we give practical things, ways for you to do this. Again, when I say this, it's never an announcement. Today is Growth Track Week 2, and Growth Track Week 2 is all about finding your place on what we call the home team, where you can serve others. What's God, what is God's agenda for us? To love God and love others. To serve and trust Him, and then serve others. To make a difference in their life. Some of us, the answer to our prayer may not be helping us with this emotional state we find ourselves in, or the answer to our prayer may not be solving this problem. It may be the answer is, hey, let me help me grow by just making a difference in someone else's life first. Others focused first. Maybe that's the answer for our prayer today. And maybe the answer for you is to come in to Growth Track today right after service. Hang out with me for 20 minutes. Let me tell you about the purpose that you have. And then you can see that when you walk in in a couple weeks, whether you're setting up chairs, making coffee, parking cars, singing on the stage, creating graphics, whatever you're doing, you're realizing it's filled with purpose from God and all your other situations and problems seem a little smaller because you see that God's agenda is to say, hey, I've created you. I can do a miracle through you for other people. Come on, grow with me. Come on, we can clap our hands and celebrate for that, because that's what it is. Growth Track's not an announcement. It's an invitation for you to grow. When you walked in today, there were some invite cards for you, because I know there's, we rubber banded three little invite cards for you, because I know there's three people in your life that need to know this perspective about God, that he has a name, that he's their father, that he loves them, that he's got a plan and purpose for their life. And we're going to have a seat with their name on it in the high school next week. I just, I just think it's so much so powerful. And this has happened so many times with people. Well, they'll invite someone, and they'll come, believe it or not, wow. And they'll experience God in an amazing, life-saving way. Do you know what happens in that person's life, the inviter? Do you know what happens? Everything else seems a little smaller. All the other issues seem a little bit more insignificant. Because, man, if God's doing that through me, man, he's... He's pretty good. He's worthy of it all. So let's keep going. Number four, what's it say? Depend on him for everything. It's pretty self-explanatory. I depend on God for everything. I don't depend on myself, other people. I depend on God for everything. Now, I know I need strength. I need personal strength in my life. I need people around me because I can't do this life alone. We're going to talk about that as we lead into the circle semester and all of that. But the thing is, I depend on God for everything because I know that he's always going to be there. It's why Jesus, the first thing he did was run to the mountaintop to pray. Man, can I encourage you? Take a deeper level of surrender when it comes to God. Trust God a little bit more because he'll never let you down. Number five, it's a good one. Forgive and be forgiven. Some of us just need to say, hey, God, help me forgive this person. You know why? I'll be honest with you. You know why I can approach the day a little bit easier when people say things to me or cut me off in traffic or caption something on social media? I've already forgiven them before they even do it. Because in the morning, God, just help me approach life with your heart today. Help me approach life with a character of forgiveness. So when that person says something insulting to me, which is going to happen, it doesn't bother me because I've already forgiven them. 
I'm not letting them trap me with resentment and bitterness and offense because my life is too valuable to be wasted on such things, all right? Some of us will find freedom by just forgiving things that happened like 15, 20 years ago. Some of us are still affected today by things people said to us 20 years ago. Now, I'm not making light of what they said to you or what they've done to you. I'm not making light of that at all. That's a separate message. What I am helping you understand and what Jesus was helping the disciples understand was the only one that's being trapped by this is you. I mean, all this unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison and then expecting the other person to die. But I'm trying to bring you freedom. See, the disciples, what Jesus was saying is, hey, you know those Roman soldiers who like steal your stuff and like knock you down, all that stuff? Yeah, you should, you should forgive them. <laughs> what? No way. No, no. You'll be a lot more free if you do that. Forgive and be forgiven. Sixth thing is this, engage in spiritual warfare. Let's catch up where we're at. We just read, give us today the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to the temptation. There's an enemy who is trying to destroy us every single day. And Jesus has given us this tool to engage in spiritual warfare. Say, you know what? Nah, no. God is on my side. I am not letting you destroy my life or destroy the life of my family and friends. I'm not just going to sit on the sidelines. I'm going to engage in the spiritual war that is going on. And the last one, number seven, is express faith in God's ability. What does it say? It says that, you, God, you have rescued us from the evil one. This was added a little later, so it may not be in some of your Bibles, but it talks about the, the way the Lord's Prayer closes is that yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. Man, I'm depending, I'm expressing faith in God's ability to, ability to move. When I see the medical report or the bill come in, when I see well, the, the shambles that my family may be in, I don't, I know that I'm gonna have to try and work through this. But I don't get stressed, I don't get beaten down, I don't get destroyed because I know that it's in this moment I can express faith in God's ability. Jesus was letting the disciples know, hey, there are gonna be times where you fail yourself. There is going to be a time where you're gonna have too much to handle. There is going to be a time where you can't take one more step. And it's in that moment you gotta be reminded of your pray first mentality to express faith in God's ability first and foremost, that it's his glory, his power forever and ever, amen. It's his ability, not mine. This is what Jesus is inviting us to do. And as we begin to close today, I, I wrote this down in my journal. I wanted to share it with you because maybe you feel this way. I feel this way. But I wanted to write, I wanted you to write it down. It's that sometimes our prayers may be awkward. You ever feel awkward in prayer? What am I doing? What am I even saying? Is God even really listening? Yes, he is listening. And it doesn't matter what you're saying because our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. See, you may, you may look at the way I pray or my wife prays or people in our church praying like, I could never do that. It doesn't matter in all honesty how we're praying or what we're doing because the same God who hears our prayers is the same God who hears yours. See, I love, I love when people pray out loud for the first time because it's great. You can Number one, you can see the fear on their face. <gasps> I can't pray out loud. What? I can't pray out loud? But then they do. And I love it because there's just so much like reverence and awe and really like the spiritual significance you can hear in their voice about praying. I promise you, man, it's in those moments God has leaned in. God is listening. And we're walking through those seven things. And I promise you, if you walk through those seven things in your prayer life today, man, you'll connect to God in a brand new way. You'll see him relationally as your father. You're wor you'll worship his name 
above your very own. You'll pray his agenda first and know what he has is good stuff. You will know that he is dependent for everything. When Jesus says, give us today our daily bread, it means, hey, all right, God, if you get me through today, that's good. And I know you'll get me through the next day. A lot of like, that, that, that statement's funny because a lot of scholars leaned into this thing of give us today our daily bread. What was Jesus talking about? Significance of bread. Was he talking about communion? Was he talking about his body, that it was gonna be broken on the cross? And now people have said, no. He was literally talking about daily bread. Like all God wants to do is provide for you day in and day out because you can be dependent on him for everything. Forgive and be forgiven. Engage in the spiritual battles going on. And number seven, man, understand that God's ability is bigger than you could possibly imagine. A changed us starts with prayer. And it's time to stretch ourselves a little bit into this. You know, when you, as we close today, around your invite cards is a little tiny rubber band. And I think rubber bands are cool. I always used to love them as a kid, making rubber band balls. You could like shoot them at people. I just really thought they were fun. What's amazing about a rubber band though, is uh, you understand that it's, it's a rubber band just by looking at it. But really, a rubber band has no use like this. And some of us, I feel like, you know, we approach prayer and approach our relationship with God like this. Like, okay, it's comfortable. It's good. I know it exists. I know what it can do. But I'm going to keep it into an approach of where it's easy, where it's simple. Where maybe I'm not stretched to do something I've never done before. But see, where does a rubber band really become significant? Where does a rubber band really do what it's supposed to do? It's when it's stretched, it's when it's wrapped around, when it's stretched to the point of breaking, but that's when actually everything is held together. See, a rubber band never holds anything together like this. It's not holding anything together, so it feels loose, it feels a little out of control. But it's when the things of God begin to enter our life and we begin to be stretched when it holds things together. Some of us, we're, not, we're worried about adding more or doing more, and God's like, no, I'm actually inviting you to do that because the more you stretch, the more you're held together. The more you stretch, the more you're confident and stable in what you're doing. The more you stretch, the more you realize that, yes, I'm holding you together in my big grip as your heavenly Father, and you can trust my name over any other name. So I feel like Local City Church, it's time for us to stretch a little bit in our personal relationship with God, to stretch and do things that may be uncomfortable because that's what God is inviting us to do so that we can fight to pray first no matter what. First and foremost, on the regular, praying first, changing ourselves from the inside out and seeing God move us, moving us through the outline of his prayer. God is a good God who is sovereign and in control of everything. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today as we close? Thank you so much for joining us on the local podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to local church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to local.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.